Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. We're now going to move into our time that we all come to hear the Word of God. Who wants to hear of the Word of God this morning? Oh, you don't sound very enthusiastic. <laughs> I want to hear the Word of God. I'm excited to hear the Word of God because the Word of God is transformational. It sows seeds in our hearts. And, and again, online or in the room, if you don't understand what it means by the Word of God, we have our preacher, Joss, who has prepared a, a message from God, and it is God working through Joss to impart knowledge, love, and information into us. So, Joss, let's get you up. Come on, give him a big hand. Just quickly pray for you. Yep, so Father, we thank you for Joss. We thank you for the gifting and the anointing that you have on his life. Lord, will you speak powerfully through him? Will you impart knowledge and wisdom that we can take out and apply it to our daily lives? Amen. Amen. I will, brother. I will. Actually, I'm hoping I will. My brain's a bit foggy this morning. I was up with injury in the night, and then you know when you just don't sleep very well and you're thinking... Sort of firing on about three cylinders, so hopefully um, we'll uh, we'll get through. Um, the, uh, uh, the this morning I'm going to um, chat a little bit about the things that Jesus didn't say. Um, so a little bit of a slightly or a slightly odd sort of approach, perhaps. Um, but I thought it would be uh, good fun to look and think about some of the things that we say and maybe say with good intent, good meaning, but Jesus never said, and perhaps aren't the best advice or ways. Um, one of the things that uh, I think we're all probably aware of these days is the idea of fake news. You know, when you're sort of like, you're sort of not sure if a, a source is correct, you hear something and you're like, well, is that true? We've all had the sort of varying different sides of, a, of, of something which we think we know the answer, and then something else comes out later, and we're like, actually, I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if actually I completely was sold hook, line, and sinker for the wrong thing there. Um, and it's the same with sayings. It's the same with mantras. It's the same with that type of thing where some, you can have a saying that's well-known. It sounds good. It's well-meaning. Perhaps even sounds biblical, but is actually total and utter nonsense. Uh, when you sort of think about it a little bit more. So we're going to be looking at a few of those. I was um, chatting with a, uh, uh, um, somebody uh, not long ago and, um, and just telling them about some things in my life, you know, just di- different decisions I've got to make, these choices that I had, and um, <clears throat> just discussing this um, over a cup of coffee. And, um, and they said to me, you can probably guess, follow your heart. Follow your heart. And I thought, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll follow my heart. And then I thought about it a bit more and thought, and thought maybe, just maybe, that's not the best advice. So um, it sounds inspiring. It sounds spiritual. And it's meant with good intention, right? It's meant with good intention. But this is what the Bible actually says in Jeremiah 17.9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I don't think that's a good thing to follow. What do you think? Probably not a good thing to follow. This thing that's deceitful above all things. That's because when we talk about our hearts and following our heart, what we're really talking about is our feelings. That's why we we say it that way, um, because we're not talking about our head, our logic. We're normally referring to some sort of feeling-based thing. 
And who here has ever had feelings about something and they're not particularly helpful? They're maybe not going to lead you in the right way. Sean had feelings earlier this week, which would have meant that we didn't have a worship leader this morning, by the sound of it, if he'd followed those through. If we'd said to Sean, you know, follow your, follow your heart, Sean, he'd have been like, right, see, I'm done. See you later. <laughs> and we'd have been all here sort of humming, um, which wouldn't have worked out quite so well for us or, or for anybody, really. Um, so following your heart, the desires of our heart are not to be trusted. There's this idea when we talk about it that there's some sort of inner mysterious compass. But that just isn't true. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So instead of putting all of our trust in our heart, our heart puts all of its trust into God. Yeah? You with me? Sounds good. Follow your heart, but <clears throat> total and utter nonsense. Now, that's to be, um, not to be confused with listening to the Holy Spirit. It's like caveat. Jesus said I'm, he's sending another, he's sending his spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. So if, when people say follow your heart, you can even just slightly adjust that and say, I'm going to follow God's spirit within me, and I'm going to submit and listen to that. Great. Anything else, stick it in the bin, because that's where it deserves to be. Simple prayer. A little simple prayer. I'm going to have a few little ones that we can sort of put next to each of these. Simple little prayer. Not my will, but your will be done. Not what's in my heart, in yours. Another thing that Jesus didn't say. Find yourself. Find yourself. I was chatting to somebody again a bit earlier in the year. In fact, this, you'll have this conversation regularly, and um, they'll say, I, 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 just need to, I just need some time. I just need to find myself. I need to become the authentic me. Um, you know, this sort of idea of self-discovery. That there's this lie, that there's some sort of, some sort of amazing truth, and the key to fulfillment is somehow locked up inside of me. The scary thing is, it's often characterized by pulling away, I've noticed, from things. People say, I just need to find myself. I'm going to take a step back from church. Boom, alarm bell. Hello. <laughs> just going to pull back from serving a little bit. Sort of stop interacting with some of my normal friends, etc. It's fake. It's fake. Ephesians 4.22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. That's that heart thing again. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on a new creation created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We don't need to find us. We need to find him. My issues aren't solved by me becoming more like me. My issues are solved by me becoming more like Jesus. And it's the same for each of us. We don't look inside ourselves for the answer. We look to God to transform us, for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen? We don't need to get more like us. John the Baptist said it well. He said, 
He must increase and I must decrease in John 3, 30. He must increase and I must decrease. That should be the mantra of a Christian. I don't need to be more like me. I was the problem in the first place. <laughs> I get a lot of amens for that sort of comment, by the way. Whenever I say I'm a problem, that's new. I get the most amens to that. <laughs> oh, okay. But it is also true. It is also true. I am my biggest problem. Being more like me will never help me. I need to be more like Jesus. I need to be more like Jesus. I need to get me out of me. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we, when we talk about this, and as I alluded to, often the, 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 the idea might be that you have to withdraw, you have to pull back to find this mysterious inner you that has all the answers. <clears throat> that hasn't had the answers for the last 25, 30 years of your life, so I don't know how it has the answers now. But anyway, that, you know, that thing. You start to pull away often from church, as I said, from community, from place of worship, from God. You hear about, people talk about it all the time, they're going to go on some sort of traveling for a year or whatever they're going to do and somehow find themselves. And we do that in many ways, I think, often. But we forget that to find us, for us to be truly found, means to be with God. You see, we talk about being made in his image. Here's, here's something I was thinking about. Um, we talk about being made in his image. Yeah? That's sort of like a regular thing we'll say. And then what it says after that is, in our likeness, it says, we'll make them in our image. In our likeness, we'll make them. In our likeness. So we have this idea of the image where we get that. We kind of, we're, we look a bit like in some sort of spiritual way, we have the essence of God's imprint on us. But we're also made in his likeness. And to what I was thinking about was that, and let me try and form this, because I didn't really form it in my mind before I spoke, but I'm going to say it now, is that... Um, that when, we, that when we hang out with God, when we hang out with God and spend time with God, not retreating, not pulling into ourselves, but putting ourselves into God, we're with our own kind, with our own like. You know when you sort of go on holiday and you get the Irish pubs? <laughs> Wherever you are, there's an Irish bar. And you sort of see the Brits <laughs> congregating together, sort of like their likeness, that you sort of, they're familiar. We sort of try to, when we're with people who are family, there's that likeness. We have a, uh, an ability to sort of connect in a deep way often with people who we perhaps trust, deep friendships. And I'll put it to you that that likeness that we have, when God said he's making in our likeness, that likeness comes to life when we spend time with him. When we are in his presence, that likeness, when we're with beings of our own like, our own kind, that starts to get pulled out of us. That our Godness, our God connection comes to life. So actually it's the opposite of, of, of being out of church, pulling back. Often we need to be around God 
and his likeness, and his likeness in us, and his likeness in the body. There are other people like us here. Yeah? And so when we're with our likeness, it pulls out the right stuff. Especially when, especially when we feel like we need to do the opposite. That's often the most, the biggest sign that we need to pull in is when we want to pull out to draw near to God. Simple prayer. Help me be fully, help me live fully as your son or daughter. Help me live fully as your son and daughter. Let me know that's where I find my deepest identity. I haven't got to go looking for it on my own. Another thing that Jesus didn't say is YOLO. You only live once. Now, I know people may see it, and, uh, and we know what they mean, so it's not, this, isn't a, this isn't a witch hunt. Anyone who says YOLO, slap them around the face. Um, <laughs> although that would be quite funny as well, I suppose. But uh, No, don't do that. Don't do that. I didn't say that on the podcast. Um, but YOLO, you only live once. It's not even true. Church, do you believe you only live once? Oh, I, do you believe you only live once? You don't sound very convinced. It's a problem if you think you're only going to live once. Because you're definitely not. When you gave your life to Jesus, you gave your life into an eternity with him. You don't only live once, you live forever. You live forever. And that changes everything. Doesn't it? That change, when you think about what that actually means, that you are going to individually, every one of you is going to live forever. That changes everything. Nothing's the same. It's certainly not YOLO. That's ridiculous. The idea that I've just got 70, 80 years, whatever here. You can see why in the scriptures talk about, you know, it's just like flowers and grass, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. That's YOLO life. But that's not us. We're eternal beings who are going to live for eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I should get you a little bit excited, by the way. <clears throat> Jesus said, John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. And then he says, do you believe it? Do you believe it, church? Yeah. Come on. So the question isn't, <clears throat> am I going to live once? Or how am I going to live this sort of ridiculously short amount of time in the view of eternity? But how? How am I going to live it? Am I going to live it with a YOLO mentality or not? Because if I'm going to live it with a YOLO mentality, that means I'm going to be probably mostly about me. That's what that, now you don't have to do it that way, I understand that, because often people don't mean that when they say it within Christian circles, but that's the inference normally given, is that essentially you've got you've to live it for you, that you've got to seize the opportunity, you know, make sure you cram in as many holidays, you're going to make as much money as you can, buy the biggest house you can, do all the different things, you know, all the different stuff that's, um, that's going to fill your life just with stuff. Here's the problem with that. 
here's the problem with that. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if anyone builds on this foundation, this is the foundation they're talking about salvation. This is what Paul's talking about. He's talking about on the foundation of salvation. So on the basis that you are saved, you've chosen to give your life to Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, the day, when it has a capital D for day in the Bible, it's talking about the day of judgment, because the day will bring it into the light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what's been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's been build up, burned up, if it's been burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet they will be saved even though one is escaping through the flames. It's a bit ominous, isn't it? Who here thinks when, you know, when you, you sort of think about heaven, meeting Peter at the pearly gates, I don't think that's going to happen, but anyway, but when you, when, you, when you think about heaven, spending eternity with Jesus, whose first thing they have in their mind is that they may be suffering loss when they get there? Blank faces. It's not the first thing that comes to mind, is it? But it's what the Bible says. In fact, I, I, I really excitingly, this is how depressing I am, I did my dissertation on this um, when I went to Bible college. I did my dissertation on rewards in the afterlife. That'll get you up in the morning. Ta-da! Um, anyway, that's what I did my dissertation on. And what is the, the, the great thing is, it says that we'll be rewarded. The things that we build with, the precious things, when we're building with gold and silver and costly stones, that that'll be rewarded. That's good news, church. In eternity, we have a reward for our works. It's not just, it's not just all grind, sweat, blood, sweat, and tears here. There is a reward coming. Jesus has rewards for us. The converse of that is there's also loss. And I think, personally, I'm going to, suffer a bit, I'm going to have a bit of both. There's going to be things where God's going to be like, you've done great, this was great, you, you sold out for this, you did brilliantly here. You, you know, here's your reward. I thoroughly believe that because I, I know where I've put my efforts and energies. But I also know where I've put some of my energy and effort. <laughs> and he's going to go, yeah, all gone. <laughs> you know, when somebody just like, well, I'm a guy, so this is maybe a guy thing. But you know, when you just like, before you light a bonfire or light a fire, basically the, the fun of that is how much petrol can we put on first before it, actually just totally explodes and burns everybody within a mile vicinity. But, you know, we need to get it just under that. That's the game. Get it just under. <clears throat> That'll be a lot, you know, quite a bit of my works. <clears throat> Gone. I don't know about you, but I certainly want more gold, silver, and precious stones. I don't want to get into heaven and be like, oh. <laughs> but I had, you know, did you not see? I, I got, I'd got like, I had a sports car and a pool. No. Oh, that wasn't worth anything. Right, okay, my bad. Um, That's gone. There's nothing wrong with those things, right? But all I'm saying is those things aren't worth anything in eternity. And there's a lot of things like that that aren't worth any eternity. When we think about this sort of YOLO life, what are we thinking about? It's not we only live once. We're actually living for eternity. The things we do today, church, matter. The things you do today, to quote Marcus Aurelius, will echo for eternity. Again, something the Bible doesn't say, but I think the Spirit's true. That it's something that will last forever. Have you ever heard of delayed gratification? 
The idea that you're doing something because you know there's something of greater value coming. That there is exponential return coming. I won't bore you with my thesis, but essentially, as you know, the character of God is he doesn't add to, he always multiplies. So the things that you do now will be received in eternity with multiplication. That's good news. So let's not live for today. Let's not have a mindset that focuses on short-term temporal pleasures at the cost of eternal bliss. How foolish. Wouldn't that be foolish? And I'm talking to myself because I know that, like, man, I'm just thinking, man, you're a fool a lot of the time, dude. Because you focus too much on the temporal pleasures. Like, just get your mind on eternity. You know, we're talking about a speck over here and the span of eternity being around the room a million times, you know, and this being the bit I'm looking at. Crazy. Don't store up treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy it, where the thieves break in and steal it. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. What breaks my heart, church, is that for a lot of people, they talk about YOLO. They talk about living their best life. And that is true. For anyone who doesn't know Jesus, this is their best life. Right? No matter how bad it is, it's still their best life. Because an eternity without Jesus is infinitely worse than anything here. That should drive us to do something about it. If we hear people thinking that this is the best that is, this is the best they've got, what they're aiming for now, they're, they're trying to live in their dreams or whatever else they might, some rubbish they might stick on Instagram. It's not true. There's an eternity waiting for all of us and we want every person to enjoy its eternity in the presence and company of Jesus. I'm not saying don't enjoy life, obviously. Enjoy it. We're supposed to have life and life to its fullness. But just think about what we're focusing on. The simple prayer is to, Lord, remind me that life's eternal. Remind me that life's eternal. When I'm making choices, am I thinking about delayed gratification? Am I thinking about long-term returns? I'm not talking about stocks and shares, unless they're stocks and shares in the heavenlies, but long-term return is rewards in heaven. Is that well done, good and faithful servant? Come, see. See what you've built, see what rewards you have. These loads and loads, I could go on and make these masses of, 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 of sayings and things that are, you know, don't really mean a great deal of anything. It's like a Disney theology. Yeah, it's a hallmark worldview, if you like. Stick it on the back of a card. It sounds great. Oh, no, 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 no. <clears throat> Stick it on your fridge. <clears throat> but we've got to check ourselves. As, as people who follow Jesus, we've got to check ourselves and say, is that right? Do I believe that? Because I know that these ones I've mentioned, certainly I don't. I totally don't believe them. I don't believe in following my heart at all. I totally want to follow Jesus. I totally don't want to become me, the inner me, the sacred inner, whatever hidden me there is. I need to get me out of me and get Jesus in me. I want to become more like him. 
and I definitely don't believe I only live once. I don't want to live that way. I want to live like every day I'm storing up treasure in heaven. That doesn't make me lethargic. It doesn't make me apathetic. In fact, it gives me far more energy and zeal because I know every day I'm investing in something that's going to last me for eternity. I'm investing in a kingdom that has no end. I'm investing in my father's house. And I'm making my dad proud. The church can often be filled, unfortunately, with this type of nonsense. Do what makes you happy. Don't do what makes you happy. It's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Do what makes God happy. Now, hopefully, those are the same thing. As uh, Rod, I think, said, our strongest desire isn't often our greatest desire. Did you? In May? I think that's what you said. I can remember his messages better than he can. That's okay. <clears throat> He's checking his notes. You did. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but it's true. That's okay. I'll steal it. I said, um, <clears throat> I've always thought, um, but our strongest desires often aren't the best ones, are they? But our greatest desires, our desires to serve Jesus, to see him named glorified, to see Nottingham turn to Jesus, to see souls saved, to see our neighborhoods changed. That's our greatest desires. Sometimes not our strongest ones. Our strongest ones can sometimes just be ice cream, you know. <laughs> that, that doesn't really help anything. Well, it does at the time, I suppose. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. My strongest desires often override my greatest ones, and very easily. So I have to hold on and say, what are my greatest desires? I don't want to live a YOLO life where it's just all about me and how can I get what I want. Yeah, well done, Ron. <laughs> Maybe he didn't say it. I could be making it up completely. I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> what scares me, I'm going to come into land. Um, are the band going to... Are they around? Is Sean around? Or is he not? Yes, he is. No, he's maybe. Um, <clears throat> what scares me sometimes, in, uh, I, and when I say the church, I don't mean this one, by the way. Although I include this one. I'm not shy about that. I mean, but I'm talking very gener generically, and including myself, is that I hear hedonism, uh, hedonism, you know, um, self-gratification, things of the flesh. I hear hedonism masquerading as wisdom. I do. There's a um, worship leader, I think his name's Rick Pino or something, I think his name was. And he used to say really great things. And for the last couple of years, his, his whole feed and everything is just about sort of like making money and this, that, and the other. And, and he's got, I mean, hundreds of thousands of followers. And I was just like, what are we why? Why are you so obsessed with that? Why is that what comes out of you? What's in your heart? How the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where, where, where's that all coming from? From somebody who's, you know, worship me. I said, that literally is what he does. Um, and if you look at his feet, it's, it's crazy. And it can sound wise sometimes to think about these things. Certainly when it comes to money. But the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, we're very quick in the church to say, oh, it's not the love of money, though. <laughs> yeah, sure, I agree, it's not. I use money, it's really helpful. But Paul said it's the root, the love of it is the root of 
all evil. We've got to be super careful then, eh? Super careful. Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Ooh. Now, everybody in this room, for, compared to everybody else on the rest of the planet, would be considered a rich person, just in case you don't think you're one. You may not be rich compared to the person next to you who's got a Ferrari or whatever, but compared to a person living in a mud hut somewhere, you're definitely rich. Am I chasing hedonistic dreams? Am I chasing Jesus? Do you know the default for humanity after the fall is not atheism? It's idolatry. The default for our society, we talk about atheism. The default for our society is not atheism. It's idolatry. They've just shifted their worship and where they put their values. They don't not value anything, not worship anything, not believe in anything. And it's so easy to get pulled in. So easy to get pulled in. The Christian life is radically, radically different. When we follow Jesus, it changes everything. Can we imagine a church which is radically different? People who are radically different. Imagine how our families, our communities, and our city would be changed by people who take hold of the radical way of living like Jesus. Ignoring the hallmark Disney way of living that the society offers us. The way of a Jesus follower is dangerously different. It's irritatingly holy. It's constantly faith-filled. It's wildly sacrificial. It's incomprehensibly joyful. It's persistently forgiving. It's shockingly peaceful. It's absurdly generous. And it's lavishly loving. It's a kingdom culture. It's a Jesus culture. Church, you don't need more of you. And neither does the world. We need to be more like Jesus. And the world needs us to be more like Jesus too. We're going to just sing for a minute. And the invitation's there. If anything I've said touches a nerve, the Spirit, He loves us and convicts us of the things that He wants to see changed in us for our betterment and His glory, might be putting your finger on something and saying, oh, hey, maybe you need to work on that bit. I know for me, basically everything in there. <laughs> And if that's you, then whilst the band's playing, we're going to sing. I invite you to come forward. Just to lay at the altar. Say, yeah, here, Jesus, here's that stuff. Change me, transform me. I want to have my mind renewed. I don't want these things to be the treasures that I'm seeking. I want treasure in heaven. 
I want eternity. I want treasure that lasts eternity. I don't want to think temporal about temporary pleasures just now. I want to think about eternity. I don't want to just follow my heart. I want to follow you. So if that's you, if you feel like you want to respond to that, we're going to stand to our feet now. The band are going to lead us. I just invite you to come to the front. You don't have to do anything. You can ask for prayer if you'd like over something. But if you'd like to respond and just rededicate and ask for that radical life, then come to the front and speak to Jesus.